Hello and welcome to your new improved weekly dose of the latest sustainability fun news, facts and reviews brought to you by the Green Elephant. This week, massive profits for big tech. The G7 have a chinwag. It's Biden's first hundred days and bans on bikes. Uh, joining me to discuss these and more as usual is Russell. Morning, Russell. Good morning, Mike. Uh, when when do we stop being new and improved? When are we? Uh, well, we're always we new. Perm- oh. we're permanently improving, so I think that will stay for good. I think. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, also coming up are an in-depth look at ethical consumer, uh, fact or fake, and play your carbon right. Uh, we'll also be talking about Poland, Indonesia, coal, Amazon, Bolsonaro, DuPont, Tesla, Salesforce, plastic pollution, vertical turbines, solar pavements, diversity, video games, and golf. So, um, yeah, an, an interesting uh, news week. And, I, and I'd like to, before we start, um, that the Green Elephant is, is way ahead of the times. I was listening to the BBC News this morning and they talked about IKEA starting furniture recycling. I was thinking, yes, we told you about that five months ago on the Green Elephant show. Yeah. And um, uh, there was another report on on climate. And I thought, yeah, we covered that one four months ago on the Green Elephant show. So um, hear it here first. Yeah. Uh, yeah don't, don't rely on mainstream news for your no. top news. Top Abs- sustainability news. Absolutely. So first up, uh, a steep rise in profits for big tech mm. during the COVID lockdown bounds and um yes yeah, so new cre- new questions have been raised uh, after this week um around uh, particularly amazon's tax planning but all of the big techs after its late latest filings in luxembourg revealed that the company collected record sales of 44 billion euros in europe last year and how much tax did they pay russell oh uh, i expect that was a fair old 20 percent, mike wouldn't it yeah yeah a, a, a little bit less than that uh, ten percent, a bit less. <laughs> yeah, actually paid no tax, <laughs> no tax in Europe on all its revenue last year. And don't forget, this was when we're in lockdown, and yeah. uh, <laughs> other retailers weren't able to operate. So they were not only getting an advantage of lockdown, they're getting advantage of their tax. But um, so yeah, it serves hundreds of millions of households across Europe, and yet yeah, despite collecting record income its uh, records and its accounts show that it made a 1.2 billion euro loss. They must be suffering, Mike, I'm sure, Um, because Jeff Bezos is only the richest man on earth. That's right. And because of this loss, they paid no tax. Um, Hmm. And it was also not only that. And they've got losses stacked up, haven't they? Yeah, it was granted 56 million euros in tax credits because it needed to offset any future tax bills because it might not afford them if it makes a profit. Um, so, yeah, those stored losses, 2.7 billion of uh, carried forward losses, uh, which is stored up to use against any future tax. Yeah, brilliant. What a, what a great campaign that is. Uh, yeah. And obviously the Luxembourg unit serves All Germany, of France and UK. Yeah. So uh, we're in there, even though we're not in the EU anymore. Yeah. Um, and and one of those, uh, uh, an MP in the UK, uh, one of the Commons Committee says, um, you know, what we've just said, the Amazon's revenues have soared under the pandemic while our high street struggle, yet it continues to shift its profits to tax havens like Luxembourg to avoid paying its fair share of tax. Uh, these big digital companies all rely on our public services, our infrastructure and our educated and healthy workforce. But unlike smaller businesses and hardworking taxpayers, the tech giants fail to pay fairly into the common pot for the common good. And I 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. And it's I, I think what they, they in the Guardian newspaper they actually include the tax return from Amazon for this year. Yeah, the screenshot, in, yeah. In its, in its total uh, totalitarian total and uh, it's about the just a tad longer than ours <laughs> and we are a tiny micro business well i'm i'm pretty sure we're not as big as amazon i, no. I think i'd i think i'd know that um no. uh, so, it's just ridiculous so, so not only do they not have to pay the tax they don't have to really answer and and unveil their true underlying um uh, accountancy position so and and well, hats off to Ernst and Young for manipulating that. I mean, to be honest, I point at the accountants. Yeah. If if you accountants, if you've got any ethics at all, you should be turning around to these people and say, "We won't handle your accounts anymore because you're unethically moving money yeah. around." I mean, just be clear: there's there's nothing illegal in what has happened. No, here. and it, and it's not just Amazon; it's Facebook, it's Alphabet, Google, uh, Microsoft, Apple. They're all doing the same thing, and it's all profit at the expense of people and at the expense of the, the, the planet. Um, uh, uh, but interesting enough, and something you've harped on about quite a lot in our kind of private conversations <laughs> is surrounding what what Biden has put forward as a proposal, yeah. which is to kind of put in a baseline tax across the world. Yes. Um, of, I think, was, was it 21%? 21%, I think, a global yeah, tax uh, floor. And, and to be honest, that, that sounds like a reasonable place. So no matter where you are, you're going to be taxed. Yeah. However, if you've got companies that can can apply previous losses or fabricated tax credits to, to that, then even that ain't going to help that. It, it, well, they wouldn't have had to pay any percentage of tax. I, I think, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a wider conversation around tax systems. And I think I'm a, I'm a big proponent of the flat flat tax system because where you have differing tax rates in differing jurisdictions for differing legal entities whether it's individuals or companies there are going to be those experts that are always maximizing the advantage for for somebody if you move to a flat tax system where everybody pays 20 percent it doesn't yeah. matter whether you're a company or an individual or where you are yeah you pay 20 percent and you know for low-income people you would just raise the base you know at which they when, start when paying start that 20 percent. but um yeah. it, it's it's morally wrong that a company earns that much money and um um for amazon's side their spokesperson said amazon pays all the taxes required in every country where we operate corporate tax is based on profits not revenues and our profits have remained low given our heavy investments and the fact that retail is a highly competitive low margin business um I would argue that that's not entirely accurate because is it highly competitive? Well, not when you're the only major uh, distributor yeah. of goods on that scale. No, and, and you are a company that has had an exponential growth over lockdown, whereas traditional retail has seen themselves go out of business. How is that competition? That's no way competitive whatsoever. In fact, it was all sense and purposes. Amazon has put some of these companies out of business. Absolutely. Uh, and, and we know we reported back in ooh, April, might, definitely in the summer, we mm. reported that um, that they they appointed, or the, uh, was it nearly 200,000 or 150,000 new mm. members of staff? Yep. So that's, that's not the, the signs of a struggling close to the knuckle 
um, barely scratching through loss-making company, is it? No margin, no. no yeah, let's not. recruit another 150,000 people to cope with the massive upturn in growth. It's so just, I think, it, you know, it, it is what it is, and it just brings a, a sharp focus on on the profits. The, the, the challenge for society and us all as individuals is, you know, are you willing to give up Amazon? Are you willing to give up Prime? Are you willing to give up the convenience of your Kindle? And those are some. Are you willing to give choices. up hosting your services on AWS? There's an yeah. interesting one, <laughs> which is their biggest revenue thing. And, and yeah, you know, full full disclosure, I, I have a Kindle. We host our things on AWS. This podcast yeah. is hosted on AWS. Yeah, it's a really really difficult one. This one. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, enough on Amazon. Um, the, uh, the the great and the good of the world are, have got together face to face in London this week. Um, Is that what two of the G's stand for? Great and good. Great and good. Yeah, there's seven G's. Great, good, uh, giant, gigantic, gigantic, enormous, gen generous. Um, yeah, oh, all those. No. <laughs> um, so that's what G seven is. Um, but so they're meeting face to face for the first time in a couple of years in London. And uh, the talk started yesterday and... Each were uh, given a megaphone so they could shout across the room. That's right, two metres apart with megaphones. Anyway, the G7 group, uh, this is the world's largest economies. And for people that don't know, it's um, an interesting group. It's UK, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan and the United States. Yes. Uh, the UK is the current president. And um, an interesting group because they have, all, you know, the, the reason for the talks and the, the output of the talks is, is twofold. They're discussing threats to uh, the G7. So things like autocratic regimes, uh, read into that China and Russia. Um, they're discussing Iran and nuclear problems, Syria and the ongoing conflict there, uh, other issues with Russia. So that's one of the discussion points. And the other discussion point is, is climate change cooperation. So yep. that's great. They've had the first day of meetings um, and, you know, they like to make announcements after they've sat in a room for 10 hours and say, hey, here's what we've come up with today. Even if it's not very much, they always make an announcement. And, um, and as yet, out of yesterday's 10 hours of discussions, nothing on, on climate change. So as of, you know, planning and getting ready for the show, I was expecting there would be some really good news from these countries on climate change and what they're going to do and how they're going to work together. Um, uh, but as yet, nothing will. We'll, we'll, no, we'll I mean, uh, next week and let you know if they decided anything. But um, the, fingers the, crossed. The points they they did pull out though was is was about the, the world's poor. So I wouldn't want to turn down that they they didn't output anything much. Yeah, yep. not climate change directly. Yeah, yeah. People, people, and planet are, are kind of key. And uh, and that uh, the affluent countries are accounting for eighteen percent of the world's population, being responsible for the bulk of the orders of vaccines. So let's go back to the COVID issue, um, and uh, and also that I I quoted an interesting stat a little while ago with um, Jessica Yinka Thomas out of uh, B Academics in March, yeah. and and I uh, I gave her one of the facts about um, the fact that. I think it was uh, 11 million girls will not return to school after COVID. 
either because they've been given away in marriage and talking about these girls of school age yeah or or obviously they they fall ill they'd stay at uh, mm. home and, and they won't get an education anymore moving forward so things like that are also on the agenda and uh, they're important matters as well as climate change yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely well, well we'll keep we'll keep listeners yeah. posted on that one um last week we discussed um joe biden as we we'd seen to most weeks and 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 russell you said uh, was it his, was it his hundred days and then we weren't sure but actually it was his hundredth day on the day we discussed it, and um, yeah, so uh, he, he's done an awful lot in in his hundred days. And so we thought it'd be good to bring you just a, a few kind of key ones to you know show what he's actually done in a hundred days. And I guess the first most important one was all those months ago he, he rejoined the the Paris Climate Agreement. So you know a major quick first step that he that he completed, yeah. which was you know uh, great to see. A quick on its heels was an executive memorandum to commit, recommit, or basically tell the federal government that they should heed science instead of uh, what was previously Trump's finger in the air uh, yeah. <laughs> or cracking idiocies. Um, so that they've had to turn back to that and created this advisory panel, which we commented on a while ago that they were bringing in some quite big hitters from yes. climate change into that panel, which was good. Yeah, good to see that. Very line on science signed a number of executive orders. Yeah. Um, uh, one that says reviewing climate change impacts um, on national security and international policy is mandatory. Um, one that says that climate crisis has got to be at the centre of foreign and domestic policy with a goal of net zero. One that prioritises environmental protections, clean air, water, chemicals, um, and one that's um, given. Uh, kind of an overarching flexibility to departments and agencies to uh, take action to address national priorities, i.e. climate change, and um, all of those really rolling back uh, Trump era um, yeah. uh, kind of damage to uh, the, the US's uh, approach on, on the climate, really. Yeah, and I, I think one of the ones I, I hadn't noted before, February 4th, he signed an executive order mandating a review of climate change impacts on migration, national security and international policy. Yeah. Now, uh, it's an interesting one, really, because we, you know, we we advocate, as as do many organisations that come businesses should be risk based. And have you really in your business, if you run one, um, uh, have you really looked at what the impact of climate change is? This isn't about having, you know, a bad snowstorm and not being able to get people into work. Where, what, what is the true impact of climate change in the buying habits of your customers and things? So yeah. to, to review at a governmental level, that's, that's quite a big thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I think lots of good stuff from Biden. Let's hope that the next 100 days are as productive as the, the, the first 100 days. <laughs> Now on to some uh, quick news uh, headlines from the week. And uh, Poland um, has uh, a historic deal, it's called, to phase out coal by 2049. I'm not sure historic is a word I'd use, um, but I think that uh, as a heavily coal-based economy, it's good to see that they've actually now made a commitment to um, phase out coal by uh, 2049 and come into line with, with other European countries and, and help meet the EU climate goals for, for 2050. So, uh, yeah, just some uh, good news. Um, Bolsonaro, 
again. Hey, I do. Week. I do like Bolsonaro. You got, uh, if nothing else, his name rolls off the tongue. Most unlikely looking Brazilian in government, I, I can imagine. But uh, Bolsonaro, we love because last week he said that he was, you know, going to embrace and he's going to protect the Amazon. Um, and on the same day, he signed a budget which slashed yep. all the funding <laughs> to all of the environmental organisations. He's uh, some of the companies or the organisations, ICM Bio, Bio, that look after monitoring. Uh, environmental monitoring has had uh, a quarter of the money that they need to to run an effective um, solution or effective monitoring s- service over their 334 Brazil's protected areas, and and it carries on. He's basically a sliced. So his left hand. I don't know if it, perhaps he's psychotic. Um, uh, <laughs> he's, he knows. Oh yes, um, yes. I will commit over here, but over here I'm going to slash the hell out of it because anyway. They, it, nobody will spot it. Yeah, guys you know, it anyway. In, in, in a roundabout way, he keeps us entertained. And <laughs> Indonesia, who had some really bad forest fires in 2015, but that has spurred yep. them into actions because they have now legislated uh, for sweeping protections for, and it's it's home to you know the third, the third largest tropical forest in the world, and um, they are improving their rankings in terms of. Uh, forest loss. Um, so they've got legislation to just stop deforestation. Um, they've got legislation to protect uh, peatlands. They've got legislation to stop new palm oil plantations. Um, and then they've got programs to restore two million hectares of forest and, and, and peatlands. So, and to give it back to indigenous people. So they're doing. Uh, a lot of stuff in Indonesia, which I think other countries, Bolsonaro, could learn from to do better. <laughs> um, so, well done, Indonesia. Yeah, well done, Indonesia, and well done to the DuPont shareholders. Uh, now, not the DuPont board or managers, but the shareholders. Well, the managers said yeah. we don't want to publish this. Let's put it to the shareholders because the shareholders won't want to publish it, and the shareholders. Uh, voted 81.2%, which was the highest ever vote for a shareholder resolution on an environmental issue that was opposed by management. A rather niche statistic, but I'd like to quote it. Thank you very much. Yeah. And, th- and it was about the reporting of plastic pellet spills. Now, this fascinated me because I did not know that the, it's the second, second biggest pollution is actually the pellets before they've turned into the actual plastic that, uh, products that we want to use, the actual spills of pellets, uh, estimated 11 million metric tons <laughs> leak into the ocean. Oh, and these pellets absorb toxins, which sounds great, and then fish eat them. And so yeah. then we absorb toxins. We and so uh, well done shareholders. They've told DuPont they need to report on yeah. the spills and they and I, so right they should. Yeah, and I, I think it's great to see shareholders exerting that influence over board. So I think we might see more of that to come. Yes. Um, Tesla now, and they've made some mistakes. Um, they, I, from the story, I guess they've, I guess they guessed, they guessed how much it would cost to put their solar shingles on roofs. Sounds like a great idea. And, and, it, and it sounds like they put a finger in the air on the price and then realized that, ah, some roofs are more difficult than others and a bit more tricky. No. They've got a few more joins. Ah, 
these tiles only generate a certain amount of power and, and a house might need a bit more power than that and um, they're not as efficient as we sold them to be and therefore it's going to cost us twice as much to put them on a roof i know we'll charge the customers twice as much even though they've paid already that work um not a great oh uh, no no that won't Tesla. Work. so solar roofs great but get the price right up front and when you get it wrong put it right don't expect the customers to put it right yeah i mean especially existing customers i can imagine yeah. new customers having to pick up the tab but you know fair enough then then they'll vote with their feet or not as the case may be mm. salesforce um interesting salesforce um yes. they, they've taken a number of stances i heard one recently the bolsonaro uh, the boss of salesforce said do you want me to put a, a head office for salesforce in in brazil and bolsonaro said oh yes please and he said in that case stop killing the forest <laughs> so sorry but that's not the story salesforce has now uh, turning to its customers and saying you should do uh, a sustain you should participate by doing a sustainability report, and uh, if you don't hit a certain uh, level on the scorecard, mm. then you uh, might be asked not to pay a, a, a penalty, but just a climate remediation fee to perhaps fund um, some other uh, tree planting it suggests yeah. or other offsets that might might uh, be available so uh, a good stance for yeah. salesforce uh, trying to try and get their customers on side be good to see if their parent company ibm does the same thing but, yeah um, work look upwards, salesforce, <laughs> yes, look upwards. Um, uh, a really good invention now uh, from a team in australia i think at the lawrence barclay national laboratory they have invented poly Dicoetanamine, this week's pronunciation challenge, and I think I'll stick to, or, or PDK, they call it, PDK. That's bad idea. And the thing about this uh, product is that it's got all the properties of plastic without the pitfalls because it can be infinitely recycled with no loss in quality. Interesting. So that is a really, really interesting. Imagine if all the plastic was produced could be recycled forever for one thing you'd stop you know, creating you'd stop creating new plastic you say right this is how much plastic we need in the world just recycle that forever and don't create any more um, yeah. yeah so yeah really interesting uh invention link on the show page if you listen, want to go and find out more yeah about sounds that. good but, yeah another um invention i don't know if i was aware of vertical wind turbines so we're mm. very familiar especially in the uk of seeing obviously a very high pillar and on the end of it a traditional blade going round um horizontally in the air but there is a vertical wind turbine which look which i've seen in in some places basically sits on top of the poles and rotates around the pole mm. and it's been discovered or research has found that these vertical turbines could make um the farms a lot more efficient um, and and because presumably they take out some of the the loss that they have to do to turn it from horizontal to vertical or or some of the gearings, but they have found that it is <clears throat> a more a valuable way of generating electricity from wind, which we, of course we need because we need better solutions in this yeah. as we diminish our fossil fuel use. Uh, one way of doing it might be um, solar pavements. And Barcelona this week has installed uh, its first solar pavement. Um, it's aware that in order to become carbon neutral, it's got to generate a lot more renewables. And 
if roof space is at a premium, then why not put the renewables on the pavement and let people walk over them? So that's exactly what they've, they're doing and um, follows a similar scheme in uh, Utrecht in Holland. And uh, yeah, it just gives them a lot more uh, space uh, uh, to put the renewables on without thinking we need to put up a new wind turbine or cover a roof. So um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's been the idea has been around a long time, but I think there were solar roads installed in America. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they, they, they came and obviously cars driving across them a bit different, but pavements might be a little less yeah. subject to cracking. Um, a, a very aerial worrying statistic yeah. uh, that's come out here. The headline is people of color breathe more hazardous air and researchers have found quite an extensive piece of research in this study that, uh, and it's in America that, without they expected to find some variations in white and black due to where they live and how they're distributed around neighborhoods but they found pretty well without <laughs> any any variation that uh, the people of color um were breathing the dirtier air from construction power plants industrial residential because they were close to the road because they were mm. on perhaps the more industrial side of agriculture every single one came a statistic that was more likely and this has got to be down to poverty and the cheapest houses are going to be near the dirtiest plants yeah. um that, that that's where uh, the the people of color are, are having to live and therefore are breathing and getting iller yeah because yeah. of it so that's really worrying i guess we knew it was happening it's just shining a light on it really isn't it yeah it's true. um now, one of the most popular hobbies pastime in the world, I think, I think it might be the most popular, um, is golf. Um, I know you're not particularly a golfer, Russell, um, but I am. And <laughs> you are, yeah. And it's um, we need to stop and think sometimes about you know that the, the activities and the habits that um, and, and the impact they have on our environment. And yeah. there's an article uh, this week about the impact of golf on the environment because when a golf course is built it's cleared um, these lovely lush green fairways are put down so any wildlife ecosystems that are there have been removed and, and kind of don't come back and then the amount of water and fertilizers and chemicals that are needed to maintain these beautiful greens and fairways is not yeah. good stuff uh, for the environment and you know the amount of water needed is 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 uh, huge so um, uh, there's some suggestions in the articles around you know what what to do uh, whether it's you know going for more desert like courses or you know building in condemned land or you know uh, other things but I, it just shows that everyday activities that we take for granted have an impact yeah, and uh, and one of perhaps looking towards the younger generation who haven't found the golf course yet. No, um, <laughs> far more likely to have done it online. Is the video games um, are becoming more uh, ecocentric or climate centric, and the, a lot of them are developing games. There's a lot of um, games. I'm not going to list them out on the article, mm. uh, which have been developed specifically to give people a, a different view. There's, there's a bees one, for example, where you become a bee and you try to protect the colony whilst you know getting enough to survive, and then you've got people coming and chopping the tree down where your hive is. Yeah. Um, so uh, interesting in the mainstream games, but the the point that's that's made 
is that that's fine. The games are perhaps going into the eyes and ears of the, of the younger generation because they like playing games. Mm. But um, it, an eye-watering amount of electricity is used, not mm. only in the playing of the games and running of the games once it's on your machine, but also the streaming of the games. streaming of it, yeah. Because we know that Netflix is a big consumer of electricity and it used to be you bought a DVD or you bought a Blu-ray and you took it home and you watched it several times. Now mm. you stream it live whenever you yeah. want. I mean, these gamers, I mean, my, my kids play Minecraft and yes, the Minecraft climate stuff is great and they are very aware of climate issues, yeah. but they will sit and watch Twitch streams or other gamers who are streaming from their gaming console online and that uses a lot of energy. So it's a... Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the, the estimates are that if if the whole gaming community moved out to streaming, uh, the electricity use would go up as 30% of the world's consumption. So mm. uh, and <laughs> it's this horrific uh, amount of electricity that's been used. And of course, gamers like the newest, fastest, best, these yeah. mice, all that kind of stuff. And that's all e-waste, which is growing, as we know, 50 million tonnes last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's the end of the news for this week. Ethical consumer now. And we wanted to bring this to uh, listeners because it's a really, really interesting and really valuable service that we've been using for about six months, Russell, I think, something like that. So, yeah. And um, so we'll, we'll include links to the, the show page, but it's ethicalconsumer.org. And essentially, at its heart, it's, it's a magazine. And if people know which magazine, which is like a consumer magazine about, you know, what services and products to buy and not to buy it's 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 kind of like that but very much with an ethical perspective so it looks at you know your standard household consumer products which you you might buy and and the latest issue i think it's got fridges and cookers and vacuum cleaners and beer and things like that and it and it um you know rates them and just a very complicated ranking system around you know what's good what's bad um so you know that's the that's the start of it but it's actually so much more than that. That's kind of the tip of the iceberg, if you like. Um, it's also a research organisation and really interestingly a database. Uh, and it looks into issues uh, as part of all this, such as, you know, are online retailers ethical? What's the use of palm oil like in the world? Who are the good and bad supermarkets? What's happening with tax regimes around the world? And, and all that research and effort goes into a uh, a huge database and and that's the thing i want to sort of focus in on so yeah it's this database of kind of forty thousand products and services with really detailed analysis and really detailed ratings across any kind of consumer products uh, you can think of really um so uh yeah nine main categories uh that they split their uh things down into You've got energy and fashion and food and drink and health and beauty, home, money, retailers, tech, travel, and hundreds and hundreds of, of, of subcategories uh, below that. Um, but I wonder, so I'm just gonna, I was just going to look into one of those. So in, in fashion, there's like a trainer's category and, and all their kind of categories are the same and the way they break the products down are the same. And um, we'll kind of hop, hop through some of the detail, but there's there's more detail in here than we can cover in in a you know in our review on the on the show today but 
each of the pages gives a, a guide what to look for. So let's say you're looking to buy some trainers and you want to make a, uh, an environmental and ethical purchase. Mm. Um, what do you need to look at? And it, so it gives you some sort of big green thumbs up and some big green thumbs down. And it says, well, in this case, if you're buying trainers, are they made of sustainable materials? Are they using low impact materials, recycled plastic, organic cotton, those sort of things? And another suggestion, are they secondhand? Because, you know, making products last longer is, is good. Uh, and on the, on the reverse side, it tells you what not to do. So, um, you know, don't buy leather, don't buy plastic, don't buy from brands that don't respect workers' rights. So, you know, some of that stuff is, I guess, is obvious to us because we do it all the time or... But, I mean, some I, I of the stuff know. is less obvious. To be honest, it's quite complicated because the way mm. they, they look at it is they, they look at um, how they impact the environment, how they impact people. But they also look at politics. They look at the ethics yeah. of the business. So, so if the business is really pushing their ethos and it's very clear that they abide by that ethos. They give them points towards that. And then they look at the product sustainability and they've got a scoring regime surrounding that. And so... Yeah. Um, they might also look on their impact on animals if there's testing or if mm. they're you know working in areas where deforestation yeah. or they're actively working to to restore that situation yeah. so they, there's two sides on on everything do they damage it and do or do they improve it yeah. um, and i was going to have a look at in detail at one company in a, in a second but yeah just to finish on the, the sort of summary tables they've got that good and bad and then it's got some best buys so here's some trainers to buy and it's talking about athletic fashion trainers wheels vegan shoes prozu trainers i don't know them myself but that's the suggestions and it's saying yeah. you know there's eco vegan shoes vegetarian shoes so it's saying if you're going to buy trainers here's our recommendations and then it also says here's some companies to avoid and it's saying don't buy from puma carrymore lonsdale and slazenger um and, basically all the ones we know the names of yeah and, and it tells you why it says we recommend you boycott Puma for their complicity in, in Israeli settlements. So they tell you why they don't recommend Puma as an ethical buy. Um, but after the, after the summer, we start getting into some of the detail that, that Russell was talking about. And, you know, they, every brand, every kind of company gets a score out of 20 across numbers of areas, whether it's environment, people, politics, sustainability, ethos, those kind of things. And it, and it ranges from athletic shoes at 17, which is a, you know, in green and a good score, all the way down to um, the brands that we mentioned, the, the Carrymore, the Lonsdale, the Slazenger, all of which are sold by Sports Direct in the UK. And I think that probably says something about the, the Sports Direct brand. Mm. Um, but I, because I've got some trainers. You got trainers, Russell? Mm. What brand are you be my my game but um, yeah because i don't run okay what what walking boots are your what brand are your walking boots well i i, I used to have salomon and then i went okay. to, but i um but I, I fancy myself now some vivo barefoots oh okay well I, I went and i looked i thought well i've got some innovate trail running trainers and i thought well i'll go and have a look and see what what they do and when you go and look at the company page it um gives you a real detailed breakdown around where they're good and where they're bad so environment for innovate for an example um, it says that uh, under leather um, there's no leather policy um, there's no leather marks and 
it has pollutions and toxins used in the leather. And you can then go and look, look for this company about their, their cotton sourcing. Um, there's no cotton so sourcing policy. Um, they don't align with the Organic Trade Association guidelines. And so, yeah, it's loads of, loads of detail around um, uh, what the company is doing. Um, you go into animals and it talks about <clears throat> they sell merino-based wool products and that merino sheep are specially bred to have wrinkled skin. And that's not a good thing for the sheep because it breeds fly eggs in the moist in the oh. forms of the skin and maggots can eat, eat the sheep. So Hello. this gives you some kind of insight into the level of detail and research that goes into um, assessing each of these these companies and so they're registered in a tax haven mike going back yep. to our first story well it, it it said registered in a tax haven didn't didn't go on to say whether they're using it or not but um i mean yeah. it's it's so interesting because you know i've had those trainers for a couple of years before i i, I was aware of ethical consumers but i think certainly i'm looking at brands um in the future then you know certainly consider it so we'd just encourage listeners to go and have a look at all that information and um and just use it to make more informed decisions um yeah as well as the database they do some other things um they have a consulting service where you know they'll research things for other brands and companies and you know look at environment ethical issues but uh, the other thing i want to mention russell was the the campaigns they've got running yes and they've got a They've got a boycotts list. Um, so the <laughs> number of interesting brands they've got. Um, they've got uh, Amazon. They've got a specific Amazon boycott page. So back to <laughs> 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 what we were talking about as our top story. They've got an Amazon boycott page, but they've got other companies to boycott. Things like Axa Insurance, Barclays Bank, Air France, Cadbury, Coca-Cola, Crofts, the dogs people. And um, each of those got you know, all the reasons why they should be boycotted, listed out, you know, based on research. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, and it seems to be the bigger they are, the harder you you could likely to come into their their line of sight, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, they've got a, a campaign around Lush, uh, Lush Prize, uh, which is about freeing the world from animal testing. Uh, they've got a Save Our Bank Prize. Um, uh, they're trying to get back co ownership of Co-op Bank um, interesting for us because we are now co-op bank customers but um yeah uh, after the financial crisis in 2007 8 or was 8 9 um the 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 government took a a stake in all the all the banks in the UK and subsequently sold it off privately uh, whereas before it was owned publicly so they're trying to uh, do something about that um yeah, yeah i mean the the, the co-op bank that they, they funnily enough recommend the co-op bank even though it's not the highest scoring of them all funnily mm. enough the highest scoring is triodos yep. uh, which is a b corp bank yes. um and you know you you struggle to to beat them in in certain as is vivo barefoot which yes. is why i fancy getting one of their their shoes mm. um but the co-op bank was recommended because they got a fairly good ethical stance and we yeah. had to, to to get our application through we had to do you know, basically say we weren't involved in the fur trade and supporting Israel, so you know, settlements and all, all, a whole rack of stuff mm. to show, show that our business was ethical to their standard. Uh, obviously, it could have gone a bit further because there's 
they're not the highest scoring bank, but they are recommended because they have got good stance on this. Yeah. Uh, also back to our top story, they have a campaign on tax justice. And so, yes. yeah, very appropriate. But yeah, so that's Ethical Consumer. Highly recommend people go and have a look at that. There's some great information, some great tools. And it's, um, you know, it's a really easy way. If you're thinking about purchasing from a brand or a company and you're not quite sure about their stance, um, it's, a, it's a great resource to go and use. So um, uh, visit the show page at greenelephant.show and the links will be in there. And now it's time uh, for Fact or Fake. <sighs> and today, Russell, um, yes. uh, I'm hoping for a win. Um, I haven't had many of those recently, but um, let's see how we go. <laughs> so... Um, there was a, uh, a study this week. Um, the Institute for Business Value surveyed 14,000 people in nine countries. Yeah. And out of those people, 31% of US consumers said addressing climate change was very or extremely important to them compared to 73% of respondents from other countries. So. 31% in the US, 73% in other countries said climate change was very or extremely important. Is that a fact or is that a fake? I think that I saw something on this. Now, I have a feeling that the figure was something closer to 53 or 58% of Americans thought that climate change was important. But it was all Stackham didn't want to do anything about it. So I would say that's yeah. a fake. It is. It's actually 51%. So uh, Americans are still behind the rest of the world. They're over 20% yeah. 20, 20 behind the rest of the world, but it's not as bad as I feared it might be. Uh, okay, so that's one to the next in that survey. 48% um, of the people surveyed trusted corporate commitments on sustainability. How many percent? 48% trusted what company said on sustainability i've got a feeling um that trust levels are not running that high so i would say fake it's actually a fact 48 and again i would have said it was lower than that but almost half of people believe what companies say on sustainability obviously those half of people don't listen to the green elephant show yeah um, <laughs> yeah well i'll say suckers yeah 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 okay one each and finally, for fact or fake this week, um, from the same study, 55% of consumers said sustainability is very or extremely important to them when choosing a brand. 22% higher than consumers surveyed pre-pandemic. So 55% said sustainability is really important, and that's 22% higher than pre-pandemic. Um, that sounds like a fifty-five uh, percent seems reasonable. Now I do think people have definitely changed their opinions. So I'm going to say that's a fact. It is a fact. Um, uh, the surprising part of that for me was that is the the big swing uh, over the pandemic. So twenty-two percent. So it was only just over thirty percent said sustainability was important pre-pandemic. So a yeah, big, big swing there. Um, yeah. So that's it for fact or fake. Uh, for this week. Now it's time for Play Your Carbon Right. I've been practicing on my show introduction. Great. 
I've, I've not been practicing um, or reading, so I'm, I'm I'm fully expecting to lose again. But let's see how we go, shall we? Okay, then. So we ended last week's show on a box of six large chicken eggs. Yes. I'm not going to remind you the of the grammage yet, but what about one litre? That is 1.8 pints to you imperialists of global average cow's milk. Now, this is the average across all cow's milk across cow's the globe because it does vary. So it one litre of cow's milk. Is that higher or lower than a box of six? I think it's lower. I think it's lower. And you'd be wrong. Is it higher? No, six, uh, six, oh, I wasn't six large was... chicken eggs are two two kilos. Yeah, and a liter is three point two kilos. I was thinking production rather than um, cow methane emissions. Yeah, um, you've got the whole yeah, you know, got the whole burping issue. I was just going with production and feed and raising and stuff, not the burping. Okay, okay, Let's have another go. And I said I would come back and haunt you with a uh, another pizza. Okay. So now I've got a 10-inch pizza. It's mighty vegan, so Ooh, no hungry. cheese. So the same okay. vegan, but this time it's delivered on a scooter from a shop three miles away. Is that higher or lower than a, a litre of global average cow's milk? <clears throat> uh, it's on a scooter. That's not very much. It sounds more than... It's, I think it might be lower. And you'd be right. Yeah, I think the, the, the scooter and the vegan kind of reduces its impact. Yeah, it, it is. So it's uh, 2.15 kilos. Mm. Um, I think we were fairly surprised that's where the vegan pizza was. But yeah, it does that a little yeah, bit, yeah. but um, not horrendous. So uh, for the final one, and I, oh, I'm not feeling hopeful, one year's consumption of bread for an average person. Is that higher or lower than a 10-inch pizza multi vegan delivered oh, on the scooter? Yes. That's, probably, that's a lot of bread. Um, corn and water and farming, producing and processing. I think it might be more. I think one year's bread is more. It's <sighs> higher. And he gets it. Ah, win at last. The funny thing was, is I, I really wanted to get into some of the bigger facts because I think they're really quite challenging. So one yeah, year's yeah. consumption of a bread for an average person is 250,000 uh, grams, so 250 kilos, so uh, wow. somewhat significantly bigger. So However, um, what, what, uh, what the source says, is, you know, that's, that's not bad. That's a good food source, calorific source mm. for that amount of CO2. So it's not, not a bad thing, bread. Yeah, well, it's just you could be using a quarter of a ton of CO2 by eating your bread every day. Um, with uh, one, so you win one you win, win each, and that concludes the games for the week. And finally, before we go, uh, I enjoyed this one. Austrian musician Manu Delago is proving bands don't need tour buses to go on the road, so he's doing a, a thousand mile bike stroke concert tour. Um, 25 shows in 35 days. Um, they're taking a six-person team of musicians and crew uh, using specially built trailers to haul their equipment. Uh, just what an undertaking. Uh, 35 days of cycling. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't go sleep on stage. And, and what's, what's, the, what's the tour called? 
Recycling. Oh, oh. And it's like I, I read an article and everything. Yeah, and I and I and I, and I enjoyed his instrument. And I, and I don't realize he, he plays the handpan. Yeah, I've I've always liked handpans, hand drums. Uh, they're they're amazing thing. They were eye-wateringly expensive. Mm. Um, but now they've got this new new approach that they kind of cut lips out of the drum, makes it obviously a lot easier to to create. Um, I'd, I'd love one of them, but they're now in price terms. They're probably uh, something like a tenth of the price they used to be. It used to be yeah. like a thousand pounds. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing ZZ Top, Rolling Stones on their bikes, on, the <laughs> on, on their tricycles, <laughs> on their tricycles coming <laughs> to, a, to a concert <laughs> near you soon with 250 uh, <laughs> Marshall amplifiers. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, well, if you enjoyed the show, then uh, grab your guitar and play it whilst riding a bike. Uh, but also, do go and visit the show page at greenelephant.show. Uh, there you can find links to all the stories we've discussed, download additional information and find links to us on all the usual podcast providers. Uh, please do go and visit and remember to click five stars in your podcast review as that is proven to make you a more ethical consumer, honestly. And it helps us keep you entertained. So hopefully, and save you money. Yes. We'll <laughs> see you at greenelephant.show or on social at Green Elipod. But until next time, thanks for listening and we hope you have a sustainable week. <laughs> <laughs>